Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. This is episode 84, and we have an amazing guest for you. Um, I DM'd Sandre uh, Gatormson. Uh, I hope I'm not butchering your name, Sandre. Um, and he he accepted. He, he wanted to join the podcast, and it was a great episode. Uh, we discussed all kinds of topics. Uh, we talked about how Sandre got started in the sport, the differences between Norway and America as far as track and field and pole vaulting is concerned. Um, and then... You know, we got into the topics of, of training, strength and conditioning, pole vault technique, uh, and uh, Sandra kind of broke down our, his uh, version of Frankenstein in the pole vault. This part of this vaulter's jump, this part of this vaulter's jump, and it was really, really great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on SoundCloud with the podcast. Also, now through Zoom, um, I'm putting out a video audio version on YouTube. Um, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just Apex Vaulting. On iTunes podcast, it's the Apex Vaulting podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Real Apex Vaulting. And we're Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, and TikTok. And as always, if you guys have any comments or questions, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Enjoy the episode. This is a real good one, guys. Uh, hey, Sandre, super excited. Thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to be really thrilled to see that you're on the podcast. Um, but maybe for some of those people that don't know who you are or don't know your background, uh, why don't you let us know? Like, you know, I mean, we all know your PR is 19, 580. Um, you know, you're from Norway. But Tell us, what, what's pole vault like in Norway? How would you get started in the event? How did you end up you know, going to UCLA? All that kind of stuff. Walk us through some of that. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. Um, I started pole vaulting when I was like um, seven years old. That was like probably the first time wow. I was touching a pole. And um, it's a little different than in the U.S. at least because we don't have the, um, the same like high school, college like sports system like you guys. It's more like club-based. Okay. It's not like everyone like get exposed to sports like in high school where you like sign up for like different season sports and stuff like that. It's more like, um, yeah, you just join the track club or you join the soccer club or whatnot. And then, um, so, so in Nor- Norway, how, how does that work? Like what's the percentage? Do, do a lot of kids participate in sports or is it not? Yeah. that big? Uh, yeah. No, I, I think it's just as much as, as in the U.S. Like, I don't think there's, like, a big difference, but it's just, like, a little bit different, like, how it goes about. And But so, like, when I was little, I did, like, tons of sports, like, like five different sports, I think. But then um, my dad did track mm-hmm. until he was, like, 20-something, and he yeah. did mostly hurdles. But I live, like, right by the track. Like, I can literally see my yeah the track from where I'm living right now. So, like, it was very natural that – um, I would do track and then, um, my father would, would let me try pole vaulting once and then didn't do it too much in the beginning and just kind of just got better at it. And I did all the events, but then as I grew a little older, I figured I was better at pole vault and I liked it a lot. And then, yeah, just kind of went from there and started doing less of the, the yeah. other stuff. I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think pole vault is the best event, but I'm a pole vault coach. So obviously I think that, uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, what, what is it like, at, like, what do you have for competitions in Norway? Like in America, like we were talking about, it's like, once you're on a high school team, you go to high school meets, there's yeah. states, you go to nationals. How does it work in Norway when you're, you're part of one of these clubs? And I guess it's not affiliated with the school at all, right? It's just, like no, you pick what no, club it, it, it's, it's with. just like where you live, like it depends what club you kind of start joining. And, um, and then the season is a little later than in the U.S. It's more like end of spring, more summer. Okay. And then um, you kind of just sign like you once you're part of the club, like you can kind of choose what meet. There's no like there's not like scoring like the club like there's not like a scoring system like the mm-hmm. the high school like where you like one school wins or another stuff like that. Right. It's, just, it's more like individual, I guess. Yeah. Where you still um, you still kind of go with your club and compete in different kind of meets, just like more local when you're young. And then obviously when I grew older, I started like going a little bit to Sweden, which is not too far. It's about mm-hmm. like a three hour drive to Gothenburg, I think where they had like some big meets. And um, yeah, every summer there's like a few bigger meets where people from like, or like all, like all over Norway come to, to compete, like even, even like kids and stuff like that. But, Okay. Um, competition wise, 
I guess it's like similar to what you will have in high school. There's probably like a little less people doing like specifically pole vault, like the right. That, that's what I was wondering because I feel like in in America, at least at the high school level, you yeah. go to you know some of the county league or state meets, you could see forty athletes doing the pole. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, you definitely don't have that. I don't think I've been a meet where there's like definitely not my age more than like maybe like three people in at least like local. Okay. Are going like to more international meets and stuff, but. And then what about the bigger meet in Norway? Like where you said like oh. a lot more people go, how many vaulters would you see at the meet? Well, it depends. Like if like if you go like by age or like just in total, but by age, like just like say like 15 year olds, I don't know if there's like more than five people in like each right. kind of age group or less depending. Yeah. And then there's like one meet in Sweden that I always went to call like, world youth games or something kind of where there would be like maybe like uh 20 people in like each double age right. group so 16 17 years old it'd be like 20 people but that's like the, the bigger ones right yeah because in a, in america it's it, it's so it's two things right if you're doing it in high school it's like there's still the team aspect like i know even in new yeah. jersey it's like very big like you want to win your county meet as a team your state sectional group and then it doesn't get individual till you get to the ultimate state championship, really. Um, well, and yeah, for, for me, it was like, for me, it's more being like kind of like a family thing because we were like, I mean, we were part of a club, but like it wasn't like a big club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would kind of go to meets like just as like as a family, like me and my brother and my dad. Right. Yeah. Like my entire life would would just go to these meets. And then, yeah, as I grew older, we would try to find some bigger meets with uh, more competitors and stuff. So, so at, as you st- started to get older, like you said, you started when you were seven, you know, and I, I'm sure at that point it was just about having fun, right? Like you're trying to f- find something you're interested in. At what yeah. point did you start to become more serious about the vault? Like at what point were you like, wow, like I think I can be pretty good at this. And how high were you jumping at the time? I guess like um, I had like my first international like kind of big meet uh, in 2015 called European Youth Olympics. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess the year before that, when I started, like, getting to know about this this event that I could potentially qualify for and compete in, um, I got more and more serious. And I think I got sixth place at that meet. I was jumping – my PR was, like, 460 at the time, so 15-1. Yeah. Uh, and then I got – I jumped, like, 445, so, like, 14-7 at that meet. And then – And how uh, old were you at that, at that point? 16. 16, okay. Yeah. yeah, like it was U seventeen, so like you you could like the year you turned sixteen. Okay. Um. So then I was like, okay, I'm I'm like pretty decent at this at yeah. this. Like, in, at least yeah, in my not, age, not bad for a sixteen year old. Yeah. Like like I I think I was like yeah I was like top six in Europe for my age at the time. Okay. So and then the year later, um, there was like a similar event for under eighteen, so I was seventeen. Okay. And, and then I was ranked actually number three in Europe for my age group. And then I placed third at that European, it was called European Youth Championship. Okay. And what, and what was your PR at that point? That, that year I jumped 520 and then wow. I jumped 505 in that meet. So I went awesome. from 15-1 to 17-1. I, this also, just for curiosity's sake, because w- one thing that I always, as a pole vault coach, I kind of laugh about is there's a lot of pole vault coaches, uh, especially in America, they'll talk about like, oh, I had this boy, he came to me, he was jumping 10, 11 feet, and now he's jumping 15. And it's like, yeah, you also neglect to mention he grew six inches and put on 20 yeah. pounds of muscle. Like, well, 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 was it all technique, <laughs> you know? I, it was like that for me too. I mean, I, I grew a lot during, when I was like 15 to 17 years old, and then I also had like pretty like insane growth in how good I was jumping. Like I went from yeah. 460, 520 to 540 the year after that. So like that was the time where definitely puberty hit more and I was yeah. yeah, yeah. just by yeah. like literally doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know uh, if you follow basketball at all, or uh, there's the documentary that just came out about Michael Jordan and the bulls. And mm-hmm. uh, they mentioned he got cut from his, or he didn't make the varsity team his right. uh, sophomore year of high school and then it's like the next year he grew six inches and then he was a star. So it's yeah. like even it's every sport, there's that turning point, I think, especially on the male side, because females hit puberty so much earlier. So you'll see like in America, like you'll see freshman, sophomore girls that are very, very top level 
you know, coming into high school. Whereas with boys, it might not happen until later in high school. Some boys don't even fully mature until college, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. And like, uh, so I guess like that was like the year when I was like, like figured out that I could potentially be good at this um, when I was older and I was starting to having, or like, I guess I even had like Olympic aspirations before that too. So of of course, I I I think first of all, it's like when you think about you know you're you're 20 years old right now, right? You're about yeah. to turn 21. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like at 20, you're you're still. I mean, to me, you're very young. You know what I mean? I'm 39 years old. You know, it's like at when you're talking about really being young, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. I think everybody who does athletics, they dream of reaching the pinnacle of the sport that they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's only natural, but. Yeah, I think definitely, you know, by the time you're, uh, you know, 17, you're jumping 520, you know, 17 feet, you know, it's like, of course, at that point, you start to think about it, it's like, yeah, maybe I can make it to the top of this game. Um, how old were you when you when you jumped uh, 580, the 19 foot bar? That was, last, that was last year. So I was 20. Okay. And I just, I just turned 20, like the month before I, I my goal was to jump. 19 before turning 20, but I, yeah. I was injured in the spring, so I didn't get to compete in the spring. So I was like two months late or something. So, right, yeah. right. But, but still, you, you know what I think is so, so, uh, you know, wild, Sandre, is that, you know, if you were doing this 10 years ago, oh my God, it would be like unprecedented. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. But pole vault seems to be exploding. There's so much great youth talent. I mean, obviously, Mondo is the world record holder now, but there's so many people. Like, you're at UCLA. You're in Division One college. You see it. I mean, the field is stacked. What, yeah. do you, what do you think, in your opinion, what do you think has led to this explosion in pole vault in the last, you know, five, ten years? Honestly, I'm not, I'm not too sure if it's just, like – if it's just kind of coincidence or if it's like, it's, it's, there's actually like a thing that has made this happen. Cause like for me, like I know that I'm not like, haven't been like cost by anyone or anything. It's, it's just been a grind since I was young. And like, I always wanted mm-hmm. to be good at this. Like there's nothing that like outside force that's cost. I guess you get like inspired when other people do well. And like when Mondo do well and stuff like that. But like, I don't, I don't think I would jump any higher or lower um, depending on anyone. But I mean, you're right about like everyone being very well right now. Like the level is extremely high, but I'm not, I'm not too sure what's costing it. Do you, do you know, or do you have an idea? Well, so I, I, I'll bring up a couple of things and I'll give you things that I think about when I first started coaching, it was 2004, 2005, you know? And at that time, I don't know if you know this. I mean, Division one, you could win nationals with 18 feet, five fifty. So it was like, it was crazy. And, you know, I listen, in my opinion, I still think 550 is an amazing mark. And I don't think that's anything to like look down at. You know what I mean? I think that's awesome. Um, but what I, what I felt like prior to, to Renault breaking the world record, right? I felt like there was this mystique, like that, that 20 foot bar, like it was untouchable and no one was ever going to break Bupka's record. Yeah. And I, I feel like that was always happening. And, and there was always guys that were close. Like I even remember, um, I don't know if you ever heard of Stephen Hooker, the Australian. Oh, course, course. Yeah. He, he I mean, should have broken it many times. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he was amazing, you know, and, and even, um, I don't know if you know, like last, last Walk summer, through. I even posted like a top five, uh, male vaulters of all time. And I put Stephen yeah. Hooker on there because for that short period of time, he was unbeatable. I mean, he even won worlds on like it's one or insane. two jumps hurt, you know? Yeah. But it's like, yeah, and I feel like a lot of vaulters, it was like they would get to that, like, okay, well, I won the big meets, you know, while breaking Bupka's record is maybe a little bit too hard, I'm I'm done. You know what I mean? Where now, once Renault broke the world record, and now Mondo's breaking it, and everybody's like, even you, you're an inspiration. You know what I mean? Like, jumping 19 feet at, at such a young age, it's like people are like, oh, my God, it is possible. You know, it's yeah. like, I almost think about you know, before, you know, America went to the moon, you know what I mean? Like if, if you go back to that time period in space travel, it's like everybody thought that was impossible until they did it. And so I think like the four minute mile, right? Yeah. The Roger Bannister four minute mile, nobody could do it. And once he broke it, I think the next year, 36 guys broke the four minute mile. Cause I mean, we know there's, there's no, like, there's no like major change in like equipment or anything like that. And right. There's also not like, I don't think there's like a, huge like change in technique either like like yeah people have, like there's been pretty like really good tech technicians through the years as well so 
But yeah, it's it's cool to see though. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see like how the college level will be like a few like in this class or like my class and maybe the class um, after me are graduating and see if it's like stays up like this because the the '99 which is the year I'm born. Yeah, yeah, um, it's like like insane. Yeah, like yeah. there's there's not like younger or older. I guess Chris Nelson as well, but like mm-hmm. it's like extraordinary and there's 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 no age that's like the same like that no i mean i listen i totally agree i think you're in a class it's like um again i'll use an american example of a sport but i think about i think it was the 1983 uh quarterback class for the nfl it was like you had all these hall of fame quarterbacks like you're never going to see that again probably you know so i think it is a little bit special that like there is the collection of guys like you that are, are jumping right now and I, but I do think that it's going to be like our depth is always going to be much better than it has yeah. been. Um, I think one other thing that I think about, at least from the American standpoint, is clubs are bigger than ever, you know, in, in America. Yeah. I think there's so many clubs. And so people are getting, you know, very, very good training from a young age. Whereas I think in the past, like, um, for example, I always heard like in New Jersey even, if a boy jumped 14 feet, he could end up getting a D1 scholarship at certain schools. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they would jump 16, 17, like within the first year. Because think about it. If you get a kid who's jumping 14 without a coach or proper coaching and maybe only two, three poles, what is that guy going to do when he gets equipment and he has a coach? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Which, uh, I mean, going back to your situation, um, did you have a pole vault coach as, as you were training through your youth? Or was it like just your dad helping you? Like how, how, how did that, that work out? My dad's been my coach forever and he still okay. is. Okay. So, so he wasn't a pole coach when he started coaching me, but now it'd be, it'd be wrong to say he's not a pole coach because he coaches me, he coached my brother. And his yeah. Well, me. and your brother's at Princeton, right? Yeah. He jumps, he doesn't, he's like right beneath me at like the same age. So he's like, yeah, he's pretty good as well. I think it's Pierre yeah. seventeen five. Wait, five thirty two one. Yeah, so it's around oh. seventeen five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So like, so my dad's definitely a pole coach right now. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't at a time because we both we started out like when I was seven. Like he, I think, yeah, he didn't do too much pole when he was young. He jumped like four meters or something. But mm-hmm. um, so we definitely learned together and like kind of shaped each other as coaches like i'd say i also coached myself and i also coached my brother mm-hmm. um, together with my dad like it was kind of like a team effort yeah well I, I think that's another thing that that you know and this is why i asked the question is when i look at a lot of the the successful pulvet situations a lot of times it is kind of a family affair you have a mom or dad that's coaching uh the the son or daughter and i think the reason that kind of works and I don't know if you've noticed this, especially at the international level, but a lot of times if you get coached by your college coach or a club coach or whatever, if you make it to that international level, a lot of times the coaches can't travel with you, right? Like they don't have money to travel or they can't stop working to, to go travel to these circuits where it's like if you have a parent that's coaching you, you're more likely to have coaching at those big meets. I mean, is that something that am, – am, Am I wrong for saying this or I mean, is there something to that? Like, when you, like broadly, but like for me, like it wasn't like that wasn't like a factor. I think it's more that um, a coach is more than just a coach. Like at least to me, like mm-hmm. it was like, I think being good, it's like a lifestyle. It's not just what you do at practice. It's what you do after practice, preparing for practice and um, just how your life goes. Like the, if you know the Ingerbitsen and running, like three brother, the Ingerbitsons, the Norwegian, they're, they're like mild runners. Like, okay. well, they're all coached by their dad and he didn't have any running background. And now they're all, uh, European champion, okay. uh, world medalists and stuff like that would no, And they always say like, it's not because people ask them about their training and they're like, we don't train anything special. It's like, it's like the lifestyle and how, um, how dedicated they are and how they, they do everything to yeah, be the best they can be on the track. So I'd say that is definitely part of it. And then my dad has also like, he hasn't just like read a book and tried to coach. Like we have had through the years, we've visited like multiple coaches and tried to learn from everyone. Uh, and also like read a lot and 
go onto YouTube and try to learn from everybody. And yeah, I mean, I was in, when I was in the U S when we were there, like in 2010, like we had like a one day training camp with Stacy Jugila. Okay. And we went one time to Jan Johnson in Tuscadero mm-hmm. and SoCal. And we've been in Sweden multiple times and stuff like that ever since I was like very young. Mm-hmm. So we had influence from everyone. And then we try to pick what we like, what we don't like. And yeah, just try to learn from everyone. No, well, I think you bring up another uh, good point and something that I think about is that I, I think in those situations, especially with like parents coaching uh, the, the kids, I mean, first of all, your dad has your best interests in mind. I mean, that's always, I think, the case. And I think like you're bringing up any coach, whether you're a parent or not, should always have the athlete's best interest in mind. And it needs to be more than just coaching technique. It is lifestyle, right? It is about dedication. It is about sacrifice. It's not just about, hey, you got to get your hands up at takeoff. Like that's that's not enough. You're not going to build a champion like that. And um, I, I think that when you come from outside looking in, I think you don't have any like preconceived notions about what pole vaulting is. And you're kind of more of an open book and you're willing to learn and see, okay, what what from this style works for us and what from this style works from us and what can we learn from this person? Whereas I think sometimes people who are, who have been so ingrained in pole vault their whole life, you know what I mean? They have the, these uh, notions of what pole vaulting is supposed to be like before they even start coaching. And then it's like, they won't, they won't change. And I think you have to kind of always have that inquisitive open-mindedness when you're, you're working with an athlete because uh, let's say, for example, you know, whatever works for you maybe works for you, but there might have to be some alterations, let's say, for your brother when your dad yeah, coaches your yeah, brother. Like, like, like for me, there's like some technical things that's like never been a problem to me that I, like we never had to like struggle through. Like the thing of getting upside down, like I know a lot of people like struggle getting upside down on the pole. And for some reason, that was just something that clicked very easily for me while yeah. I struggled with other things. But then my brother and sister come along and my dad coaches them and then they seem to struggle um with that a lot more than i have but take other things easier than i so right it's like yeah you can't you can't coach anyone the same i think and like with mondo for instance like his dad coached him and he was i don't he wasn't like a college coach he just did a lot of pole vaulting and look at him now like right Right. No, I, I, I think, you know, there, there's great examples out there. I, I think uh, the other thing, just thinking back to something you said prior, I love the fact that you said, like, not really a lot has changed with the polls. Because I feel like sometimes people want to believe that there's like a magic poll out there. Like, oh, if I get this new whatever poll, I'm going to yeah. magically PR. And I feel like a lot of people, they don't understand. It's like, you still, the athlete has to jump the bar. The pole, the pole just sits on the floor by itself. If nobody picks it up, you know what I mean? Like you have to do it. Uh, because I feel like a lot of times, you know, when certain pole, pole manufacturers maybe change something or come out with something new, I think, you know, people think it's going to create, you know, more height. I mean, like, how did you get to that point where you don't believe that? You know what I mean? Like, was there ever a time where you did think like, Oh, if I just get on this pole, like I'm going to jump higher. Like, no, I mean, the, the next poll is always the, be- the the better one. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I just I've always jumped with Essex, but mm-hmm. um, I I don't believe that there's a, a huge difference in the brands. I think it's more uh, your style and what you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, like how much the brands like how they are making these polls. If they, I don't, I don't think they've changed a lot. Like I picked up some old polls and they're not they're not much different yeah sure i i mean listen i i I would say to people like look maybe some people have preferences some people like a thinner pole maybe somebody would like a little bit thicker pole whatever but other than that i mean as far as like what you're saying as long as it's the right pole right like whatever pole you need it's like it's it's going to be relatively the 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 same the athlete is what it's not like with the running shoes where it's proven that certain shoes make you run this and this much faster or right. like a, a track surface change where I guess when we go far back to like the gravel kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There'd be a difference, but like since Bubka and, and those guys, there hasn't been like huge difference in at least the equipment. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, how did you end up, um, at, at UCLA? You know what I mean? Like walk us through, through that. And, and, you know, being that you're from Norway, how does that work? Like going, going to college in America, your brother is in Princeton too. Like how, how did that come about? Like, why did you choose to go that route other than let's say just competing, you know, in Europe at the meets that you've been doing? I don't know. Like the very first time that I like, thought about the idea i think i was pretty young like because i was actually born in the u.s so i have dual citizenship so i was oh, kind of okay. so i always kind of felt um like a felt like a little bit a part american even though i'm 100 percent norwegian so mm-hmm. um and then when i was getting better um and in middle school i was starting to kind of look a little bit when i was also jumping a little bit better and then a few uh, colleges reached out to me, and then I was like, maybe it'll be a good a, a good fit to combine studies and track. So okay. then I started looking more seriously, and I literally looked at every single college in the U.S. and <laughs> looked at like academics, uh, coaches, climate, school, everything. And yeah. then um, took some visits and decided on UCLA. So awesome. Um, so w- now what, I- what exact injury did you have? Like that was your freshman year that you got hurt, right? Uh, yes. After, and- after indoors or like at the end of indoors, I had like a back injury on my lower back, which oh, okay. I've, I've kind of had a similar thing when I was a little younger, mm-hmm. but that put me out for about 12 weeks. So I didn't start competing. Uh, I mean, I didn't register anything last year. But um, I didn't compete till five twelve. That was when I made my regional mark, mm-hmm. last chance. Yeah. <laughs> then I went to regionals, first time on full run up, qualified for nationals, and mm-hmm. uh, season best and outdoor, second highest outdoor jump at nationals. And and so just to kind of dive into this because it leads into the next thing that I wanted to talk about anyway. But yeah. um, so with the back injury, I mean, was it a herniated disc? Like what what exactly happened? Stress re- it's called stress reaction. It's just oh. like a over, over, little just like an overuse injury that I'm little, I guess, unfortunate or uh, not sure exactly why I'm getting it, but it went away fairly, fairly quick and didn't cause it, it wasn't a, a, a stress fracture. It was just right before. Yeah, I, I've had a stress fracture before, but that, uh, that's that's another thing. But this time it's only a reaction, and it went went away pretty quick. So when um, when you were rehabbing for that and stuff like that. Just because for me, hearing that, you know, it's like 12 weeks, you had to sit out and then you, you know, you hit the qualifying mark, you make it to regionals and then get all American. A lot of people, I think, especially when they're not that knowledgeable about training, they could look at that and be, oh, why didn't Sandre jump 19 feet, you know, and like place higher or win the meet, you know? And for me, I hear 12 weeks of you not being able to do a lot, you know, and now still being able to hit those marks is quite the achievement. Like during that 12 week break, I mean, just to explain to maybe people who don't understand training that well, what were you limited to? Like, what couldn't you do? What were you doing? And then how did you ramp up and still manage to jump so high? Yeah. Since since it was only a reaction, I didn't have to take uh, as extreme measures as you need when it's a fracture. So I was still um, able to run for Mm -hmm. the most part. I took a few weeks off running, like the first three weeks after indoors. Okay. Uh, or the first three weeks, I didn't run or do much at all. I was biking and doing. I could lift and stuff like that, but nothing where the back would go and, and extend. Then, yeah. then I would obviously start running pretty slow at first, and um, just trying to stay in shape and not lose too much um, fitness. Because so during that time, you said you- I know how to jump, so it was more about kind of maintaining and not losing too much. Right. So when, when you said that you were lifting during that time, like what kind of lifting could you do? I mean, I, I would assume like you can't back squat if it, or no. No, I, I, I could actually do uh, a lot of things. I would do like, but I would do more like um, leg press and uh, yeah. stuff like that where your back is more like not flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not arching. Yeah. But, but yeah, I was definitely staying in shape and, and I was really fit going into outdoors even though I hadn't, hadn't um, had much jumping. And then I also had to kind of start slow. I had to start from like three left, four left. And then right. uh, I, I even jumped pack 12 with six lefts. So, and it was just yeah. a week before regionals or like the same week where I had like did some pole runs and, and did a few jumps from full run before I 
went on and did full run at regionals and nationals. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I've had some athletes that have had stress fractures and, and stuff like yeah. that, that coming back, the biggest thing that I always do with them is like, like what you did is like, Hey, we got to maintain as much fitness as possible. Whatever exercises, lifts or workouts we can do, we're going to keep doing that so that when you're ready to come back, you at least have some speed because if you don't have the speed, forget about it. And I think just like you said, even though you maintain fitness, it's like you can't just go right back to your full approach because you almost have to calibrate, you know, your timing. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like coming back, if you think you're going to go back to eight, nine, ten left approach first day, it's like you're, you're sorely mistaken. Sure. It's like you have to kind of slowly work your way into it again. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, so now as far as training, just in general, right? Yeah. Um, how important is training to you and what kind of thing, what kinds of things do you do? I mean, uh, you know, because I think a lot of times because pole vault is so technical, I think a lot of athletes, a lot of coaches, so hyper focus on jumping, you know what I mean? Like, in, in fact, like speaking of injuries, like stress fractures and stuff like that, I, I oftentimes, and I don't know what you think. I think that comes from too much volume of jumping. You know, we just overdo it. I mean, I think pole vaulting is so much fun. It's exciting that we always just want to jump and we think always, oh, one more jump and I'm going to fix my technique or I'm going to wrap that bungee or clear that bar. Um, when, you know, how important do you think the physical training is to your career, to how high you jump? Yeah. So I almost like ever since I started vaulting, I have had between mostly two times a week where I've been jumping, sometimes three usually only two. Yeah. <clears throat> then the other days, obviously I, I still train about nine times per week um, with one day of rest. So I will have to uh, work out twice a few days as well. But mm-hmm. me, I think that's like the um, non-vaulting stuff has been the key to my success. Mm-hmm. Um, since, And I think that also comes from me not like, I haven't been in a pole vault club where they just do vaulting. I have been right. on the pack and field team. Yeah. So like when I was young, it was like every single event and I would sprint twice a week. I had a hurdle coach. I would long jump. I would high jump. I would throw the javelin and I would just get really overall fit and athletic. Yeah. Uh, and I would train like a, like a sprinter that vaulted twice a week or a long <laughs> yeah. jump, but instead of doing long jump, he would, pole twice a week and do all the other sprint stuff, lifting stuff, aerobic running stuff. So I think that's, that's what a lot of people maybe forget when they, they get to freshman year of high school and they're like, I gotta, I gotta jump really high, really quick. So I'm a vault five days a week. Yeah. And not do any of the other stuff. And then they, they get kind of good They figure out the vault and they start getting better technique, but they have no idea how to run or, or how to jump properly. Um, and then they'll they'll stagnate because they don't have the. I mean, if you look at the, the the best guys in the world or the best college guys, all of them are really fast and really fit. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't get good without without having that. So, so you think if I have a pot belly, not a good idea? <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> um, got to be. It's probably one of the the event where you got to be the most fit out of out of all of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I almost think about pole vaulters like uh, UFC fighters. You know what I'm saying? It's like you, you got to be as fit as possible, as fast as possible, as strong as but Like it's from a fitness standpoint or a strength and conditioning standpoint, it's like trying to figure out a puzzle, right? I think for some events or some sports, it's a little bit easier, right? Like if you're a shot putter or a football player, it's like, listen, you could put on all the weight you want. Just get stronger. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you just you need that strength. But with pole vault, it's like, yeah, we need strength, but we can't, the power to weight ratio becomes so, so important. And if we go too far on one end or the other, we're going to lose something. You know, like I, I had a strength and conditioning coach on the podcast and we were talking, he had a, a linebacker who was training, you know, for, for the NFL combine and they, they figured out he was at his fastest at 250 pounds body weight, right? Because at 250, he would run his fastest 40 yard dash time. If he was less than 250, he just lost too much muscle mass. He'll be a little bit slower. If he was yeah. heavier than 250, like 255 plus, he'd be a little bit slower. It's just too much body fat. And so yeah. like they really, you know, got it dialed into that. Um, I, I want to ask more about, about lifting because especially again, I think whether it's an American mindset or a pole vault mindset, but I know a lot of clubs or a lot of coaches, 
they're very weary of, of lifting um, for a couple of things. One, I think they think they can just do body weight stuff, you know, and, and that's going to get them strong enough. Two, I think they're scared of injuries, right? And what, what I think is maybe amazing is like you just said, you had that stress reaction and 12 weeks off, but you were still lifting to maintain strength and speed. Mm-hmm. But people think that, oh, if I have my athletes lift, they'll get hurt. I mean, how important is the strength work, you know, the lifting? And how do you, how do, you do your lifting specifically? Like how, what kind of lifts do you do? What are the sets and reps? Like yeah, yeah. linear, what, what do you do? I think of lifting more as a way to not get hurt and and it's proven I think I, I think think I recently saw a study say that, that said like that you should lift to avoid injuries. Right. Uh, if you do it correctly, of course. Of course, of course, yeah. And uh and I've been I was exposed to the lifting room when I was I was pretty young, so I've developed pretty decent technique over the years. Uh yeah, I mean is, I saw your power clean. What did you do two seventy five just recently? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I, I've I've known how to lift for a long time, so I wouldn't get hurt. But I lift for the only reason why I lift is only to get faster. Mm-hmm. Like if I get stronger but not faster, like there's no need. Right. So for me, it's it's only to get faster and to have enough. I guess I don't really do much upper body strength anymore. Um, but yeah, it's it's literally just just to get faster on the on the on the runway. So, so if I'm, let's say I'm a high school boy or girl and I'm listening to you and I say, okay, I want to get faster. Sandre, what, what do you think I should do lifting wise? Like what, what lower body lifts do you think are important? Yeah. Uh, the ones I do are, I do cleans, as you can see, I do them quite a lot. And then I also do snatches, which, which I, I started doing a little bit later just cause it's really technical and I needed a while to learn it. Um, for sure. I even had a lifting coach to to help me with the technique because it's, it's very technical. Yeah. Uh, um, so I do those for, for like leg power. Mm-hmm. And then I do hex bar squat, which is kind of like a quarter or a half squat. Yeah. I don't okay. squat a lot. I'm really bad at squatting for some reason. And I do a lot of uh, single leg stuff, do mm-hmm. like single leg squat. and But I also do... With the single leg squat, do you just have a vest, dumbbells, or do you put a bar in No, no, no. no. I, yeah, I, I put I put like 100 kilos on my back and then do like the... And just for everybody to understand, 100 kilos is... 220. 220, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good weight. And then uh, RDLs, deadlifts. I do all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's only to get either to get faster or not to get hurt on the track. Right. Well, but, but like that, that's the only thing. It's not to to just build mass or anything like that. It's it's just to get fast and try to stay healthy. No, a hundred percent. I mean, like the way I I always view it is like you said. One, people don't realize by adding you know strength and and you need to as some people need to add a little bit of muscle mass that will prevent injury, like even lower back injuries. I mean, listen, if if you think your athlete is going to get hurt, like if you have a male vaulter who weighs one hundred fifty pounds and you think he, he he is going to get hurt if he deadlifts and he's only deadlifting 300 pounds. First of all, he's not strong enough. I, I think he should easily be able to deadlift more than 300. But it's like if his back can't take that, how do you expect him to handle a full approach hitting a big pole? Like if that yeah. if a 150-pound kid ever gets on a 180, what the heck is going to happen to his back then? So it's like you're almost like putting your body under that stress to strengthen it so it can, it can handle the stress that the event – puts you through I, I agree and i think um but i also think like i've been lucky that i started pretty young mm-hmm. i think it's it's easier to i mean i've i have had my injuries too but i do think it's sure. easier to avoid injuries um if you start younger just because your body's more exposed to it and uh like like i just listened to mondo had a podcast earlier or like a zoom thing mm-hmm. and like he's, I think the reason why he's never been hurt is because he started when he was four years old mm-hmm. and, um, he hasn't done a lot of lifting either, but he, he's like an extreme case and it's, it's hard for, yeah, someone to look at that and just like do what he did just cause they can't just go back in time and start when they're four. Right. And, and listen, I, again, one of the things that, you know, I, I think we've alluded to throughout this podcast one, it's like, okay, a pole isn't going to make you jump 20 feet, you know? Um, and not for nothing, 
no matter how hard you train, certain people are not going to be able to jump certain heights and vice versa. There's other people that they don't have to train that hard and they'll still jump high. You know, Um, like I always tell people, I I had a vaulter who, uh, you know, I mean, he pole vaulted a lot, but never really put a hundred percent into the training aspect. And he still jumped 540, 17.8, you know what I mean? And and so I, I think the thing is to look at the benefits. And as far as injuries go, yes, I think strength and conditioning can help prevent injuries, but that doesn't mean you'll never get injured. I think especially when you're pushing and grinding, you know, and really trying to see how high you could jump, you always are going to end up maybe pushing the limits too far and either jump too much or lift too much or something. And then you may have to sit out a little bit and and, and rest, you know, and heal up. But I, I think strength and conditioning is such a, a vital, vital thing. I mean, um, one of the examples I, I always give from the club, I had this one girl, um, she was 5'1", 115 pounds. I mean, th- this girl, when she first started out, you know, same height and weight, she, man, she was like barely jumping 9'6". She ended up deadlifting 315 and she became an 11 foot vaulter. Now that doesn't mean everybody who deadlifts 315 at that body weight is going to jump 11. Some might jump higher. Some might jump a little bit lower. I think the training numbers become even more personal. So it's like, even like you said, you do the single leg squat with 220. I don't want anybody to think listening to this. Oh, if I do a 220, a single leg squat, I'm going to jump 19 feet. That's not necessarily how it works. No, that's really not. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I, I, I I totally agree. And, and I do want to say that I think lifting is, is secondary to everything else that you do. Like, I do think that there's other things that if you could only choose one that I would rather do. But, mm-hmm. um, like, like obviously, I, I believe the, fir- the most important thing is to develop good good technique in the pole and, and good running mechanics. Mm-hmm. And just that in itself will prevent a lot of injuries. Yeah. Um, and doing like, uh, like I know a lot of people do a lot of plyometrics, um, mm-hmm. instead of, instead of lifting a lot of weights and that could have the similar benefits. Well, yeah, I, I think ply- plyos are, are, are super important because some of the, some of the things that I, I think about and like what you just said, the running form, I mean, I, I think half the time when you see people pull hamstrings, it's not always a strength issue. It's sometimes a technique issue. Like they're pulling their hamstring because they're really backside. You know, the running the running form is not proper. Um, and definitely, when you when you look in totality, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you can do to benefit. I, I just I sometimes think like people, especially in America, they avoid lifting as if like it's the worst thing in the world. And I think it could be a very very uh, good tool to help people jump higher. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, so going forward, right? Like you're, you're where you're at and hopefully, you know, everything with coronavirus, uh, goes over well. Um, what, what are your goals for the next year? Maybe the next even 10 years, do you aspire to vault as long as you can? Um, what, what are your goals height wise? And I, I wanted to know in your opinion, what do you think you need to do to, let's say, take it to the next level to become a six meter plus guy, you know? Do you think, do you think you're doing what you need to do and just keep, keep to, to the plan or is there something technical? Is there something physical that you need to do? You know, yeah. like wh- what are your thoughts on that? Uh, first of all, my, my, my goal right now is, um, like I've been hurt again, <laughs> okay. unfortunately. So I haven't been vaulting since, uh, I just started vaulting two weeks ago and yeah, I haven't been, what, what was the, what was the injury? It was like a foot stress reaction, so a similar okay. thing. It just took a lot longer, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm I'm vaulting again now, and I'm I'm doing pretty good actually. So that's good. Awesome. Um, I don't know how much meets there will be in the summer, but I imagine yeah. there will be a few uh, at least locally here. Well, locally. yeah. I mean, I guess before you continue, we talked about it before the podcast started, um, especially for the American audience. Um, can you explain how is Norway dealing with the coronavirus? We're, we got hit a little bit before the U.S., like a few weeks before, um, and they've handled it really well. Right now, there's there's no lockdown. I don't that there never were lockdowns. It's just been quarantined for people traveling internationally, mm-hmm. and um, there's social distancing measures, just like everywhere else, where you got to stay six feet apart and stuff like that. Yeah, you cannot be more than I believe there's like four or five in each group. Okay. Um, Do you have but, to wear masks? No, okay. there's, there's no stuff like that. And uh, 
for me, it's pretty easy because my, my family is kind of my training partners. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I, live, I live with everyone I train with, so we don't really need to take any measurement, measures like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I can train 100%. I'm not, I have all the access facilities that I want right now. It's good weather, so we're jumping outside and lifting in the basement. So I, we're, I, we're pretty fortunate. And um, yeah, I think I'll get out of this situation better than I was before so awesome. uh, goals for the summer and for next year for the summer i just i just want to get back to full run and kind of back to where i was last year mm-hmm. uh, and just really work on technique and mm-hmm. try to take one more step in my, my technique just because now there's there's no rush there's nothing that i need to yeah i need to be in a certain shape by a certain time and stuff like that so i can just really focus on technique and and have a full year to prepare for the Olympic Games, which will be my big goal for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, where I my, my PR is five five eighty right now, nineteen feet. I do want to, as you said, jump six meter one day, and I yeah. I do think it's um, it's possible for sure. So I I just don't know when, but next year would be cool. But we'll see. <laughs> That would be good timing. <laughs> That'd be perfect timing. So I mean, I just gotta yeah work my ass off and um, and stay healthy first of all. That's that's actually my first my my major goal. I think uh, if I can stay healthy an entire year mm-hmm. and jump every single week, twice a week for an entire year, that's that's when I'll see the most progress in my jumping and and height. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can do that, I'll be very happy and. Um, so you you said you you want to work on technique. Is there anything in particular like that you, you want to work on, like, or is it just something more general? Just clean everything up, make sure the basics are are clean. Yeah, there, there are a few things that I like seeing that I need to work on that I've done good from short run or on some days. Um, I don't know if I want to go like too much into detail. It's it's a little hard to explain on 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 video chat, but it's a little bit in just right after takeoff where I kind of like collapse and let my body kind of go weak instead of. Yeah. You like sink a little bit. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's part of it. I think that'll change other things in my vault and I will be able to get on bigger poles and stuff like that. And just from short run right now, I have seen some, some improvements on that. So I hope I can carry that on to the longer run and um, awesome. It'll make me go on bigger poles and long-term like 10 years, I, I definitely do want to jump um, as long as my body let me. Mm-hmm. If that's two years or 10 years or 15 years, um, yeah. we'll just have to see. But I, I do really like what I'm doing and I awesome. hope I can do it as uh, as long as possible. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I, I, I think that's awesome. I, I, I think for one, I know in America, a lot of people kind of after college, you know, regardless of how high they jump, they kind of have to stop vaulting because they have to work and it just doesn't fit in. But I, I think for people who can do it, I think it's awesome. I love seeing people compete as long as possible because I, I think any sport, but especially a technical one like the vault, I think there's so much always to learn technique wise. There's so much better you can make your body over time that that's really what's going to get people to jump super, super high. You know, I mean, even if you look historically, like someone like Tim Mack, I mean, he got Olympic gold at the age of 32. Yeah. 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 You know, a lot of of the Americans didn't peak till, till their late 20 or early uh, 30s. And I, I do think that that pole vault is an event that takes a long time just to develop consistency. I think you even improve in the pole vault even after your like um, physique is at its peak just because you'll improve technically, which will make you jump even higher and be more consistent. So if I can, if I can peak at 30, that'd be awesome. I just want to gradually get a little bit better each year. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And obviously after college, I do want to, want to go pro and compete in all the, I have competed a little bit in the diamond leagues last year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do, I do want to try to, yeah, make a living out of it as well, even though I, I do really love it and I would, would have done it regardless. But. Yeah, yeah. No, I listen, I, I think it's awesome. Uh, so a couple things j- just from what you were saying. I think one, like what you're bringing up since we have another year till the Olympics, I always notice as a coach, it's like if you're going towards states or nationals or whatever, whatever age group you're dealing with, high school, college, 
um, a lot of times there's like that one little piece of technique that you're trying to fix and the athlete just can't get it. And it, it seems almost like literally the week after nationals, all yeah. of a sudden they figure it out because you don't have that like stress of the upcoming competition. And that's why I always feel like that's a good time, you know, when you don't have anything on the schedule to fix yeah. stuff because you don't have that mental stress, you know? I, I think I'm very lucky that it's that it's next year. I mean, I would I would have been ready this year, but I think I'll be even more ready next year, and I'll be even more ready the year after that, and so on. Right. Um, but yeah, one one year where where I don't have to worry about anything um, during the summer, I can just have an entire year of preparation. I think it'll be great for me, and I think I do think it'll be good for a lot of other people too, where they can just really just calm down and focus on training and not having to, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think especially for the younger athletes that are looking towards the Olympics, this yeah. this summer is going to be huge because I think for the people that are putting the work in, oh my goodness, like, I mean, who knows, like, who knows what you jump next year? Yeah. You know what I mean? As, if, if, as, if you as long as you're stuff, able to, to keep training and, and obviously how a coach around and equipment and stuff like that soon, maybe not right now, but in a little bit where things yeah. try to calm down and things will open up, I think. I think it's definitely time to take advantage of this this summer and time ahead before before the Olympics. Yeah, well, and so I have two more things. I I don't know if you have to go. Just let me know. No, um, no, you're good. Um, but uh, you know, you mentioned jumping at the Diamond League meets. What what was your impression of, of or what was your Diamond League experience? What did you think of the meets? How they were run? All that kind of stuff. Like like how how does that work? Like walk us through. I'm. Let's say I was a kid in college that I just bombed a big bar and I'm going to go for the first time. Like, what, what can I expect? Yeah, my, my first one was um, the one in Oslo. So it's especially cool for me because I'm Norwegian and I, yeah. I've trained there multiple times and I know know every Norwegian athlete and all of that. So for me, it was really cool. Home, I, you know? I, I stayed at home. I didn't live in a hotel or anything. I, I lived like an hour away or 30 minutes away. Um, but it's 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 really cool it's just like a huge meet it's really fast it's much faster than than the high school meets because it's like one day like three hours or something and everything's done yeah uh, um yeah I, it's very inspiring to see especially for me like just being on the uprising it's really cool to see everyone that i've been watching on tv for the past like five years right right um, yeah and then getting to know the guys is is cool because I've always seen them on TV and on social media, and then finally getting to to meet them personally is, is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, how did you handle that when you walked into the competition? Now you see like Renault is there, or whoever you know. It's like, were you a little bit like starstruck, or were you like, no, I'm here to jump? Like, how, how did you handle that? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I wasn't at like that. I I competed the year before in the European Championships. Okay, which was. It's, it's still a bigger deal than the Diamond League. Yeah, actually. of course. Euro and, championships huge. And at that meet, I wasn't expecting anything because I barely made the mark. And mm-hmm. I actually ended up making a final. And then I actually got sixth place. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so I, I, I had met all the, the guys once before. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I was very starstruck. I, it was cool just to be there and have yeah. a problem and everything like that. And yeah, and I, I definitely hope to keep doing it. Yeah, no, that that that's awesome. Um, so let let me ask you. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Yeah, I, or just like like a, a an opinion from someone who's especially you're in Europe. So you know, what are your thoughts on this? How, how, what did you think about the whole Russian thing? You know what I mean, like the team getting banned and whatever. Because this summer they were not going to be allowed to compete, right? Like no Russian athletes, even if they represented neutral, they were not going to be allowed to compete. And I wonder, I mean, are they going to hold that till next summer? Have they talked about that? And what, yeah. what are your opinions on that? Yeah, I'm, 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 I don't, honestly, I'm not too sure what to do about the Russians if they, if they don't like take um, better measurements. Like, yeah. uh, like I get doping tested like all the time, literally, like even during this, even when I was quarantined, they were here and, uh, yeah, on my door and they were, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like being tested because I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I want I, I wish everyone was tested um, a lot. Yeah. Um but I don't I don't know if I have too much to say about the the whole Russian situation, but I hope that they can of course it'd be great if everyone can compete, but if it'll have to be fair, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's 
as as a fan and someone outside looking in, it's just, it's just so crazy because you obviously hear so many different stories uh, from all over the world, not not just yeah. Russia. You know what I mean? And and it it, it does it is kind of crazy how some people like kind of fly under the radar. Like there is like there are the people like you who like you're saying you're getting tested all the time, and then there are definitely people who either because maybe they haven't hit a high enough mark yet. Or because of what country they live in, they're not getting tested as frequently. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to hate on on any country or anything like that. But oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since I'm like the best one in Norway, Norway's a small country, so it's not that hard being the best one. Right. I've been more on the radar and been tested since uh, 2017 regularly right. or 2018. Yeah. Uh, versus like college people qualifying for their first meet, maybe haven't had a single test until they actually qualify, and not maybe not even that. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's hard to test everyone, but I think the more testing, the better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the more random testing and earlier testing and all that. But, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to do all of this, and it's expensive, too. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the other thing that people don't realize. Like, the testing isn't free. It's like <laughs> this is <Probably> expensive. <laughs> and, and in a sport like track, and especially an Olympic sport like track, there's so many different people that could potentially qualify for the games. You know what I mean? If in Povo alone, I mean, like, think about how many people are around that mark and how many guys are jumping 550 who they could, they could pop a 19 foot bar. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it could happen, but you know, where do you draw the line? Like, do you test the guys who jump 520? You know what I mean? It's like, so it's like, it, this becomes almost like, it, it almost becomes impossible to see everybody get tested. It's, it's, it's yeah, such but a I, I do think, I do think that the NCAA and the could do, could could do a better job testing um, at meets. Like I during my NCAA season, I haven't I haven't been tested once by the NCAA, and I'm qualified for the Olympics. So I I do think there should be more testing in the NCAA for sure, because that's 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 the majority of where like the people that are qualified are going to come from. Right. Yeah. No. And I, I know that once you're in the USATF, you can be randomly tested. I'm I'm not too sure on the rules, but. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what I always think is funny to me, especially being involved in pole vault for so long. And I also like other sports and I, you know, I'm very up with, with what they're doing. I always find it very interesting, like track and other Olympic sports, we get smeared like, oh, we have a doping problem. You know what I mean? When it's yeah. like, wait a second, we have a doping problem. Are you telling me the whole NFL is clean? Like yeah. it's crazy. We're just trying to do something about it. So it's more, it's more on the radar it's more yeah exactly exactly it's like our stuff is like out in the open and meanwhile there's a lot of other sports where it's kept under wraps you know what i mean and it's just like i I don't think people realize you know what they're watching sometimes like for the casual fan it's like man i watch football i love football and listen whatever those football players are doing they got to do it they're you know that's that league and that's that's how they function right but it's like I, I just hate that it's like they say we have a problem when you look at a sport like that and it's like, okay, if we have a problem, then what, what do you say about them? You know what I mean? Like what's going on in that sport? And yeah. especially when you find out some of the information that, you know, I've heard things here and there, like allegedly like, um, you know, like the markers for testosterone, it's like significantly higher in the NFL. So for you to fail that test, it's like, dude, you would have failed every water test, you know, before you fail the NFL yeah. one. It's, it's so crazy, you know? So I, I don't know. It, it, it's just tough for me. You know what I always hate is like, I just, um, you know, and again, I, I don't know anybody and you know, I don't know what's actually going on, but like, I always think it's a shame. I just, as a fan, I want to see the best people go against the best people. I, I agree. Know? And I mean, and, even, even I have it like experience, like at first hand where well, people that have been caught in the past and served not a long time, but they're still served a few months have beaten me and, and taken my spot, but yeah, I, mean, I, I can't, you can't do anything else than try to trust the rules and trust that they're, they're doing their best job to keep the sport clean. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, like, I, I always, you know, in this situation, like, I don't know, I'm a big fan of Sidorova, you know, which, uh, you know, I think her jump is beautiful. And I think, I think if you look at her jump from beginning to end, the pole carry through the, you know, yeah. the turn and push up, technician out there i think or the woman at least yeah very very clean you know i i'd love to see her compete the other hand too like again uh, going back to the water test i mean i don't know if you follow ufc at all but one of the fighters 
he tested positive for something, but what it ended up, it was like, it was measured to the point of a picogram, which is such a small amount. It's like, I think sometimes there's people that are getting positives in some of these tests that may have not really done anything like, you know, and that, that's also tough. I'm I'm not too sure. There's, there's a few cases that are kind of like, if it were, there's like being like a cold medicine and whatnot, but yeah, you never know where they find like the small, the small doses. Maybe it was a month ago, but they were taking a lot and stuff like that. So. Yeah, well, that that's why it's all it's all murky. You know what I mean? Because pe- people yeah. are testing positive for for a lot of different things that mm-hmm. you know even is just like over the counter stuff. You, you know yeah. what I mean? That you you might buy by. Yeah, I'm so I'm like everything I take. Like I'm so scared. Like I check it. Like, I know. Yeah. Like five times. I check it five times. My dad, even just like like acne stuff, any cream, my my mom will give me lotion, anything like a cold medicine, whatnot, or vitamin. Like I take vitamin D and. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still like scared that it will be like contaminated or anything. So I think just by being extremely careful and and um, asking good people about about the product and if they're safe and whatnot. Yeah, can, no, that, that's what I'm saying. For for a clean athlete, it's hard because you have to be super super careful and diligent about that. And one slip up, and now all of a sudden, you know, you have a bad name. You know what I mean? Yeah. And unlike a lot of other sports that are more popular, like an NFL or UFC or whatever, it's like in track, I feel like right away people are like, oh, he's a doper. And it's like, man, he might have taken it. Like, what if you took an over-the-counter vitamin D supplement that was tainted and now it's like you didn't do anything wrong? You know what I mean? So it's it, – it, it, it's going to be hard us to – Yeah. Um, let, let's switch gears one more time. Uh, like we just talked about Sidorova, you, you know, you, you agreed, you think that she's got some of the best technique on the women's side. Who do you look at on the men's side and say, wow, like that's a jump to emulate. Like if, if let's say like, you know what, let's say if I was like Sandre, uh, for the next year, you got to run apex vaulting. You got to coach everybody. Who are you going to try to make their jump look like? What do you, what, if you could, you know what I mean? Like what would be the I jump? I don't think I'd try to make, make a, any of their jumps look like anybody's because I think uh, I think everyone has different jumps. Like even me and my brother, who's coached by the same person, have very different jumps. And yeah. some things that work for me doesn't work for him. But I mean, I try to take a little bit of things from everyone. Like right now, I'm trying to trying to do something with my left arm that I really like uh, on Mondo. Okay. And then I'm not I'm not going to try to take off under like he does. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. still going to be out just like Renault and Kimura and, and other yeah. people. So like, I, I like taking things from, from different guys. Mm-hmm. But I also tuck a little bit, which people haven't, but uh, I still really like Bubka's jump. So um, I try to take things from here and there and um, try to kind of get my own style. Um, yeah. But I, don't, I don't know if there's, there's one person on the men's side that, that stands out. That stands out. But I mean, I think Mondo does a lot. I, of, a lot I, of I almost things. feel like you should do like a Frankenstein post where you cut up the favorite parts of each vaulter and just yeah. post it in one picture. And, and, make, and make a vault. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll do Sam Kendrick's bar, bar like on top Clearance, of the yeah. and closer to pole. And I'll take uh, maybe Bubka's takeoff with Mondo's left arm. <laughs> wing yeah so sam's got two parts dude yeah he's he's good he's good though so yeah no i listen i i agree i think definitely there's a lot of stuff that i like like on on sam um wh- who do you think on the runway is the best pole carry and run mondo mondo i mean he's the he's the fastest one he has the highest it's the highest recorded speed at takeoff and i think I mean that's that's the most important thing to yeah, yeah, yeah. on the runway. I mean Bubka was pretty fast too, but I think <laughs> Mondo and Bubka are about kind of similar on the runway. But yeah, yeah, because I I I when I think about the run and carry, I always think about Petrov athletes. Because yeah. even in the last Olympics, when you see Tiago, you know, boom, that goes fast too. Yeah, but like watching Tiago go down the runway, I'm like, that looks like Bubka. You know what I mean? Nice, very, tall, very, very, nice high pull carry. You yeah. know, super yeah. pretty. I, I, I do like Tiago's jump a lot. He just hasn't 
jumped too much recently. So I just kind yeah, of yeah. I don't know what happened. I, I almost feel like I don't know if like after he won the Olympics, he kind of took too much time off or something. Or yeah, we'll see next year. I think he's a guy that's that, that's always going to be there, and I, I, I do think he he can pop off. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always interesting. Those Olympic years, you never know who's going to show show up. Like I even remember the uh, I forget now what year it was. Maybe it was two thousand eight. But it was like it was like Bjorn Otto almost. It seemed like came out of nowhere, and you know, all of a sudden jumped six meters. I think he got silver at the Olympics, and you know, and beautiful jump. It's like I, I would have never even like thought about him prior. You know what I mean? So those Olympic years is always. Interesting. Like, who would have thought Tiago would have jumped six oh three at the last Olympics? Like, yeah. if I told you to put a thousand dollars on it, I don't think you would have made that bet. You know? Agree. Yeah. Um, hey, um, this has been super awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or bring up? Not, not on top of my head. I, it was, it was, it was great um, talking to you, and uh, I had to keep keep following your podcast. Oh, well, thank you. That, that, that would be awesome. Um, it, it, do you want people to follow your Instagram or anything? Do you want to mention anything? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Sandro, S-O-N-D-R-E underscore PV, which obviously I think you guys know what that stands for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think if you do pull vault and you search Sandro, it should, it should pop up. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be pretty easy. If you just put Sandre and Povel, you, 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 yeah. they'll find you. Um, for everybody that, that's watching or listening, uh, thank you for, for you know listening to the podcast. Um, if you could follow us on iTunes, it's just the Apex Vaulting Podcast. And on YouTube, it's the Apex Vaulting Channel. And if, if you have any comments or questions, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. And uh, thanks, thanks for listening.